how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from John 20, verses 1 to 18, and it can be found on page 1089 in the Church Bible. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, 
She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Arabic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them what he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. We pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Easter morning and all that it means. Please, by your spirit, open our ears to hear what you want to say to us this very Easter morning. Open our eyes to you, that we too may see the Lord. Open our hearts, that we may respond in integrity and gladness of spirit, that we may we too may trust you. Amen. Well, I've been thinking quite a lot about death these last few weeks. Not surprisingly, we've had quite a few church family funerals recently, and some of you already know that Andy Gilbert, our previous ops manager, witnessed the tragic death of his son, Matt, last week. Our hearts go out to him and to Elaine and Lucy and also to the younger family bereaved of Colin on that same day. And many of you have already offered your condolences to me on my father's death this, death this week. Thank you so much for your kind words and your prayers. My father was an honorary member of this congregation. He preached here a few times. He shared with us a trip to the Holy Land. And only three or four of you know that his gift to us was this lighting system by which we see this morning. He has supported me in my leadership here through these last years, through his wisdom his prayers and his generosity. Thank you, Dad. So I've been thinking this week about the core of our faith with a fresh urgency, especially as I may have to say something about it at my father's funeral. As I've reflected on all of this, I've observed how easy it is for us to slip from our faith into the general hoping for the best, so beloved of our culture. When someone dies, do we secretly open the window to let the spirit slip out? 
Do we say they live on in our memory or in their influence on us? Do we think we'll meet again one day, someday? Or like the popular poem that death is nothing at all. It's just popping into the next room for a while. Well, this wasn't my father's faith. And it wasn't the disciples' faith either. If we've been bereaved, we know that death certainly is something. It's something very terrible. It's a rending separation from those we love. Even if we've been expecting their death, as I have been, my father's, when it comes, it's still shocking in its permanence. And our own death is even worse. I was listening to the radio this morning and I heard an atheist saying, this life after death stuff, it's all cobblers. And I felt so sad for him to think that facing his own death will be facing the end of everything that he cares for, everything he loves. Well, the disciples experienced this with the same dreadfulness that some of you have known. They knew beyond doubt that the one they loved so much was dead. He was beaten, broken, crucified, speared, shockingly, terribly dead. As Peter, spokesman for the disciples, said in the words we heard just now, we are witnesses of everything that Jesus did in Israel and Jerusalem, and they killed him by nailing him to a tree. They found no comfort in the contemporary Greek idea of enduring disembodied spirits, nor did that help them face the terror of being hunted down and crucified in their turn. But then, then, they met Jesus. They met him alive, touchably, speaking to them, eating with them, cooking for them. As Peter says, God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Those of us down on the beach this morning knew that Ruth was alive when she handed us a bacon sandwich. It changed our world in that moment. Mary saw Jesus and didn't recognize him. But then she heard him speak her name. Mary. And she knew it was him. Teacher. She ran to the other disciples. I have seen the Lord. It was the same Jesus that she'd known. And yet, with a very different physical body. Real and physical, but in a new world. A new body for a new world. As St. Paul put it, like the difference between a seed and the plant, between an animal or the sun. This body of ours is perishable. It will end. This world of ours is perishable too. 
and there will come an end to it as well. But this new body, this new world is imperishable and it will never end for all eternity. The disciples saw and heard and touched Jesus' body and they knew he was the same yet utterly different. Meeting Jesus face to risen face They knew his risen body was just as real as their body, their mortal body, but way better. So that swapping theirs for his was not going to be any kind of a problem. In fact, it was going to be great, as those of us with increasing aches and pains are beginning to recognize. But above all, they knew that in their new risen body, They would be living their new risen life in his presence. This gave them hope and so much joy. Suddenly, being crucified by the authorities was no longer a terror, but an honor. Meeting Jesus crucified, yet risen from the dead, gave them courage to face death with more than equanimity, with joy. This was my father's hope. He knew where he was going. He knew with whom he'd be spending all eternity. Andy Gilbert said the same thing on his amazing Facebook post the day after his son's death. Matt's death has left a devastating hole in our family. But as Christians, we have the hope and knowledge that today Matt is in paradise and no longer suffering. We know this because even on the cross, Jesus turned to a man dying with him who acknowledged him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. And so we have hope and a future. As Billy Graham, who also died this year, put it using some words from D.L. Moody, someday you'll read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I shall have gone into the presence of my God. This is our hope. Not wishful thinking, bypassing loss, but Jesus' risen resurrection power, real, physical, stronger than the coffin. Not just that One I love is no longer in pain, but that he's in real physical delight. But here's the rub for us. The disciples knew that they had this hope only because of Jesus' resurrection. Because he loved them and they loved and trusted him. And because he had made a promise to them before he died. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms and I'm going there to prepare one for you. And I will come back and take you with me so that you will be where I am. It was only by, it was only by trusting Jesus 
that they could access this amazing hope. Which leaves only one question really to ask on this resurrection morning. Do you trust Jesus? Do you? If you do, you have a sure and certain hope that you will find new physical resurrection life in him beyond death. If you don't, you don't have that hope. You just have wishful thinking. For your sake and for the sake of those who love you, please don't ignore Jesus' offer to you. Don't presume that being a nice person is enough or that all faiths lead up the same mountain or that someday over the rainbow you'll meet again because it isn't kind to say anything different. I don't have any such hope to offer you. The only hope I have, the only hope I can offer is the hope that the disciples have given me, the hope that Peter, their spokesman, shared with us this morning that the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all that he is the one whom God has appointed judge of the living and the dead that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name that Jesus has destroyed death and opened a gate to eternal life that he stands at that gate beyond death and looks at you with love in his eyes and reaches out his hand to you. Will you not take his hand and receive from it his resurrection life? Please, please take his hand. Please trust him. Please re receive from him this life that he gives. Shall we pray? Please close your eyes so that no one need feel embarrassed. And if you want to take up Jesus' invitation to you to join him in eternal physical resurrection life, then why not this very morning put your hands on your lap and open your hands as a sign of your desire to receive Jesus' life. And now say in the quiet back of your mind, Jesus, I trust you. Thank you for preparing a place for me in your Father's house. Thank you for dying for me and offering me forgiveness. These are the things that are on my conscience. Thank you for offering your spirit to be in me, to give me life. I receive him now. And now please give me courage to go on trusting you until you come to take me to be with you where you are. 
the first disciples trusted you enough to be crucified like you. Give me the courage at least to tell someone that I'm praying this prayer now. And give me the courage to listen to you and to make the changes to my life that you require of me so that I may become more like you and be ready to share all eternity with you. Amen. Please keep your eyes closed. If you have prayed that prayer, please would you raise a hand now as a sign to God of your conviction in what you've done. Thank you. Thank you. I know it takes courage, but resurrection gives us courage. If you raised your hand, please come and see me or Adam afterwards. Um, me in particular, I've got a gift that I'd like to give you for this Easter morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for us and for rising to bring us new life. Amen.